Uh, I, I love worship. I oftentimes in worship, I, I can become a distraction to the people around me because I never can get the words right. Uh, today we sang, um, what do we sing about the table? Um, you will be satisfied. Yeah. Oh yeah, right? So I, I sang uh, to come to the stable. And, and, but then I said, but you'll be satisfied. So I don't know. I thought I, I, it's a better Christmas song. I think I made that song better. Come to the stable. You'll be tat- I don't know what satisfied means. I'm going to figure that out. They say that when you start getting tattoos, it becomes like an addiction. Maybe when you reach enough tattoos, you're satisfied, right? I don't, know, I, don't know what, I don't know what that does for us theologically, um, but there you think about that uh, while we're talking today. Uh, if you would, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We're continuing to walk through the book of Matthew, taking a look at our Savior and Lord, our King, uh, Jesus. Uh, it's been a great uh, last few weeks as I got a chance uh, as you all met uh, Pastor Cosmos from the Cameroon Baptist Convention, and he and I got to hang out a lot together. Uh, he landed in Los Angeles, and so we got to spend some time out there, and then coming to here to North Dakota and spending time with us. Uh, and um, there were these moments that were, where we were having together where uh, I felt a little bit maybe too American in the midst of it. And so we would maybe go grab a quick bite to eat, and I'd say, what would you like to eat? And he's going, I don't even know what you're asking. He said, because back home, our options are one thing. That's what we get. And and you have far too many options here in the U.S., so you just choose something for me. And the the more time that we spent together, the more I realized how much stuff... we, We know this, right? Uh, but we, as Americans, we fall in love with all of our stuff. And it isn't until you spend time with maybe somebody who doesn't really get it all, who doesn't understand it. And we were having this discussion, and, and I said to him one night, I said, you know, having a lot of options, having stuff at our uh, disposal all the time is an incredible distraction so often to our walk with Jesus. And, and he, said, he said, well, back home, he said, if I have uh, one option, it's a distraction from following Jesus, right? That, isn't that true? That if we have uh, Jesus and, so often we'll run after the and. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is going all in, actively following Jesus and actively loving people uh, at all times. It's just Him 100% of the time. But so often it's the more that becomes the distraction, right? We just think if I just, I just had more, uh, then I'd find my joy and happiness. You could just fill in the blank of whatever that is, our car, house, money, friends, power, uh, whatever it is. If Our world tells us if we just had more than we'd have, we'd be satisfied. And the only way that you get to have more, right, is that you got to do more. So I have to do more in order to get more and in order to be more. That's what we think that this life is all about and unfortunately that also flows over then that belief system into our spiritual lives and and if i'm going to be more then i got to do more um and in order to do more i have to have more and it just becomes about more if i had more if i did more i would be seen as a better follower of jesus maybe even you have a a, a belief system that if I did more, then I'd maybe be loved more by God. 
But as we take a look at the text today, let me just say, we're going to look at a, a very specific text. Jesus is addressing some very specific issues. But in this text today, Jesus is not addressing more at all. He's actually saying, uh, to be a disciple of mine, you can do with, uh, with nothing. Just me. And then you have everything that you need. He's not calling us to more. This is what he says in um, uh, chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. Let's stand together. If you're able, if you're willing, Matthew writes this. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Father, uh, this is your word. Taken a bit at, at just what we read today, maybe a little confusing. So would you make it really clear to us, not just about what you meant uh, in Jesus' day, but what you mean for today. For our lives and who you want us to be. So, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and our minds. Do a great work. This time is yours. Uh, amen. You, you can be seated. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, tells us that, that we're to contemplate God's glory. In other words, our focus is to be on God, our Father, at all times. And the more that we focus on Him, the more we begin to live the way that He wants us to live. That was discipleship in Jesus' day, was follow your teacher, follow your rabbi, wherever they go. And the more that you follow them, the closer you walk behind them, the more and more you're going to become like them. And so Paul says, so contemplate God's glory at all times. Just consider who He is and think about what it is that He's done. Worship Him. And then as you do that, you will be transformed more and more into His image. And Paul says, one degree of glory to the next. And I, I just love that description. Because it doesn't mean that you go from zero to 100 instantly. It's that every day is a bit more of the process of becoming more and more like Christ as we focus on Him and as we follow Him one step at a time. That's adequate discipleship. Today I want to look at inadequate discipleship from the perspective that Matthew is trying to tell us on these different people that come into connection with Jesus and they claim that they want to follow Him and Jesus knows what's going on in their lives and He has to kind of right the wrongs. Say, so you can follow me, but there's some stuff that's probably going to have to change in your life. And it gives us a really great picture of what not following Jesus looks like or inadequate discipleship. The first is, is that Jesus would say, if you want to be an inadequate disciple, if you, if you don't want to follow Jesus well, then always choose more. Always pursue more. Keep doing more. Keep looking after the more. When, when it starts here in verse 18, first of all, we have to go back and see what, was take, what has taken place. So if you haven't been with us, I'll catch you up. But Jesus had just finished the greatest sermon that had ever been preached. Uh, because it's Jesus, but also the content. 
And what he was doing is he was helping all of these people to understand that you have heard Scripture taught this way, but let me tell you what it really means. And so he's bringing to light all sorts of of new interpretations of this Scripture that had been taught poorly. And and some of it was, um, you're not the center of all of this. Right? You've you got to stop looking for your own glory in everything that you're doing, thinking that because you're living your life in such a religious way, that the end game is everybody else's applause. That has to stop. He says, you need to be humble in all that you do. And so people would have been like, what? Well, we've, we've, never, we've never heard anything like this uh, before. He's calling people to live in a different way, and really it's... Stop trying to be the hero in my story, Jesus is saying, right? This is the, the Word of God is God's true story, and He is always the hero in all of it. So stop trying to be that hero. Stop trying so hard and doing more. And then Jesus finishes that sermon, and people's jaws are on the floor because nobody's ever taught this way before with such incredible authority and then he doesn't just teach with authority but then he goes out and he heals with authority so he goes and he touches a leper and he heals a leper and then he says to the centurion we took a look at this last week go home your servant is healed and and that man is healed and then uh, somebody else comes up to him and needs he takes care of that he goes to peter's house and he heals his mother-in-law and and all of a sudden you can expect uh, exactly what happened is that crowds began to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's big enough when he was preaching this sermon. Now he's healing people with leprosy and he's just speaking words and people are being healed. He's just walking into people's homes and touching people. And they started bringing the demon-possessed, it said. And they started bringing all of the sick to Jesus. And the crowd was massive, huge. And Jesus says to his disciples, can, can you guys go and get the boats ready? We're going to go over to the other side. We'll take a look at this next week, but he's going to sail over to the Gerasenes. It's kind of a Gentile region around the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus says, hey, um, we need to leave the crowd and, and we have to go uh, just somewhere else. Luke uh, gives a, a great picture of this narrative. He expands a little bit on it that says that when he said to the disciples to go prepare the boats that Jesus actually got away from the crowd and he went off by himself to a solitary place to pray and when Peter had everything ready to go he went looking for Jesus but he wasn't in the crowd he was off praying by himself and Peter says Jesus you got to come you would not believe this but the crowd has gotten even bigger like how great is this there's thousands of people out there that want to that want to see you do incredible things and, and Jesus says to Peter, he said, that's, that's not why I came. I, I didn't come there to heal. I mean, I, I, I'm, he does it, and it's part of his ministry. But he says, Peter, the reason that I came is to preach the gospel, to preach the truth to the people. And so let's, let's go where we can do that. He says, let's get away from the crowd. Not that it was a bad thing that he was healing people, but, but, but Jesus is saying, look, I could... I could heal people all day long for the rest of my time that I'm here on this earth, but that's not why I came. Uh, I came to give people not just not a good life here on this earth. I came to give eternal life, and that's the message that we need to preach. 
Because all of these people that I'm healing still are eventually, he doesn't say this, but the understanding is I could heal people like crazy all day, but eventually they're going to die and they're going to face the reality of an eternity apart from God the Father. So we need to go and and we need to preach this message. So get the boats ready. Let's go to the other side of the lake. I think there's a great lesson in, in this. And I will tell you, this, the, the lesson in this is, is for me today, as much as it is for, for anybody else. But um, Jesus could have just sat back and just said, wow, look at this incredible crowd that I get to preach to. And it just keeps growing. And watch all the incredible things that I get to do. And He could have just stayed put and just continued to do more. More and more and more and more and more. And he walked away from the crowd to go and do what it was that God had sent him to do. He said, we need to go around and we need to tell people about the kingdom of heaven. For so many of us, our identity is wrapped up in our activity. The more I do, the more people that I get to connect with, the more ministry that I do, the more friends that I have, the, the more activity I have in my life defines how great of a person I actually am. It gives me my identity when in reality, it's absolutely the opposite. When we find our identity in Christ alone, our activity flows out of that. We become more like Jesus. We imitate Jesus. We live Like Jesus, our activity does not define us. What people think of me does not define us. Can you imagine? All these people are bringing their sick and Jesus says, I'm sorry, but uh, I've got more important things that I have to do. He didn't care what people thought about him. What he cared about was the mission that God had him on. Jesus was able to say no to some really good things Because he had to go and do something great. He lived into his purpose that was here on this earth and he lived into it well. Romans 3.20 says that we are never going to be declared righteous by the things that we do on this earth, by our works. God is never going to see us do enough good for him to go, okay, you're in. However, because he, he does choose us, because He does send His Son, Jesus, to die for us, because we do receive that and we're forgiven of our sins, God says, you're in, now go and do what I've called you to do. Live out of the joy and the overflow of what I've given you. Your identity is in, is in Christ, not in yourself. Acts 17.28 says it's in Him that we live, and move, and have our being. In other words, in our lives, everything that we're supposed to do, all that we do is because of Christ. It's through Christ and for Him. Our activity, as I said, then flows out of our identity. We've each been gifted in very specific and certain ways. And I need to be told often, Paul, stay in your lane. Do what you're good at and let other people who are good at other things do those. My job, my role, Scripture tells me, the job description for a pastor, for a shepherd, is to raise up the people of the church 
to do the work. To train people to do the works of service. And I so often don't do that because I feel like I can do it myself. And, and that's not my role. And I don't think God blesses that. Exhaustion, right? Working our, we're, all, we're all guilty of it. But we're called to stay in our lane and do what it is that God has called us to do. And we, we go, yeah, but Scripture's full of all these things that, that we could be doing. And I say, yeah, but look at Jesus. There's a lot of things He could, could have been doing. He had the power to, to heal people. And yes, He did it as He went along, but it was while He was on mission of preaching the message of the kingdom of heaven. With His eyes focused on where He was headed and what God had for Him to give up His life for us. And he, and he was not deterred, and we shouldn't be either. And so I love that, that this text begins with, with Jesus just saying, hey, there's a huge crowd and there's a lot that we could be doing, but, but it's taking us away from what we should be doing. So guys, go get the boats ready. Uh, one, because I've got a mission that I need to stay on, but two, he was tired I love, I love to read that the Savior of the world got sleepy and he rested. So he says, go and get the boats. And we're going to look at this next week. But, but the story then continues that they get the boats ready. They go into the boats and you know they get out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the waves start to rage and the storm is, is raging and the disciples think they're going to die. And they say, Jesus, do something about it. And where is he? He's in the back of the boat asleep. He's exhausted. He's preaching and he's healing people and the crowds are all around him and he was okay walking away from all of that so that he could just first go alone, be with God, and then he could just get some rest. We don't always have to do more. and We, don't, we definitely don't need to choose to always be doing more. But just to do what it is that God has called us to do. Stay in our lane. We don't have to save the world. We're just called to make disciples of the next person in our life. Jesus, it seems in this text, is showing us that there's always going to be more, but you can't pour out of an empty cup. It's really difficult. We all know this. It's really difficult to be an agent of grace when you're so up to here with everybody and everything that's going on in your life. We're called to show the grace and love of God our Father to the people around us. We can't do it when we're always living on edge. We've got to slow down. And I'm the chief of sinners so often in all of that. It's okay to say no to the good things in order to choose the greater things. It's okay... Uh, that people might think something of you, right? But because you might have to say no to them sometimes. Choose other rather than more. Another way to be an inadequate disciple and ineffective is to, to always be living with a desire for more. I got to have more. Jesus trying to leave and, and a scribe came up to him. Now, what we know about scribes. Uh, in Jesus' day, is that they were also teachers of the Word. So there's something about the way that Jesus taught that, 
that caught this guy. And usually a scribe was a Pharisee, the ones that Jesus was directly speaking out toward and against in his Sermon on the Mount. But there's something about what Jesus had been teaching and something about what he'd been doing that, that all of a sudden this religious leader is like, I might want to hang out some more with this guy. Um, so he says, teacher, which said that he believes that Jesus was a rabbi, but maybe didn't necessarily believe that he was Messiah. And he says, teacher, uh, I will follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go. A lot of scholars, when they read this, believe that what he was saying is, I'm, I just want to be in the club. Right? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go wherever wherever you go, because I'm a teacher, and I like teaching the crowd, so maybe if I connect with you, that wherever I go, people will see me, and they'll want to follow me as well. And so wherever you go, uh, I will go. And Jesus' response to uh, this man says that he knows a little bit about him. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. See, scribes of the day hanging out in that, the elite religious circles would have had some, some money at their disposal. Probably would have been living a pretty comfortable life. So Jesus goes right to kind of the jugular and he addresses it. Say, look, you can follow me, but I just want you to know that, that it's not always going to be very comfortable. He said, even the foxes have holes to sleep in at night and birds of the air have nests to find comfort, but, but the Son of Man has no place. To, I don't have a home. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a traveler. Uh, we depend on God providing through other people Everywhere that we go, it's not going to be always that easy. And what Jesus is saying is, I, don't, I really don't know if you've counted the cost of following me. You, you, you seem to want the glory of, of what seems to be, yeah, we're going we're gonna to travel around and, and we're going to gather these crowds and people are going to come, but, but just know that, that there's, there's nothing in it for us. This is about output. It's not about what we're going to get out of it what's really uh, interesting and deep i guess about the way that jesus answers says foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head it's the first time that jesus calls himself that and he says it to a scribe because a scribe was a teacher of the old testament and they knew it well so when jesus would call himself the son of man uh, a light big light bulb would go on in the the mind of the scribe, because that would throw back to the book of Daniel, chapter 7, when the Son of Man is talked about, that, that, when, that when the one with great authority sends the Son of Man to this earth, Daniel had this vision about the Messiah, he says, when he comes, he will be given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and the whole world is going to serve him, an everlasting dominion, a kingdom that can never be destroyed and so when you hear that your picture is really uh, all of a sudden it's bright and big right that that when the son of man comes he'll be given a kingdom and dominion and we think palaces and homes everywhere i mean this is his land to live in and jesus says the son of man has no place to lay his head this is not about this earth it's about the kingdom that god is building And that's what we're a part of. That's where our focus is on. What our focus is on. That's what we desire. Is what God has for us in His kingdom. Jesus isn't rejecting the scribe at all. We don't know what happens. 
He just lays it out there. He says, I know this is kind of your heart. So just know that it's not going to be that comfortable. We don't have a, a, a place to, to lay our heads. But it, he's giving him a choice. If you choose to follow me, that's fine. It's great. Um, but we're not in this thing for earthly gain. We're, we're in this for the kingdom of heaven. We actually even deny earthly comfort. Trying to find our identity in that. We're solely living for the kingdom of God. And every day is a choice to live between the carnal or the eternal. And every day we're going to choose the eternal. John 3.30 right says that, that He must increase and I must decrease. Less of me. More Jesus. That's what we want. More of what it is that He has for us and for this world. We don't get into it. He says, don't follow me for what you're going to get out of it thinking that it's something on this earth. So I have a friend. I, I think I've shared this before. One of my best friends in the world, his name's Dave. And Dave has a ministry to uh, musicians, to, to artists, Christian bands and some secular. And so he's out on the road a lot traveling with these guys. And every once in a while in the past, he's maybe had to jump off of a tour for a couple of days uh, to go home and take care of some stuff. So he'll say, hey, Paul, uh, can, can you go out and, and do a few uh, maybe um, shows with some of these guys? And so uh, the first time they'd ever got to do this, man, I was stoked. Because you can imagine, I mean, when, when you're a kid kind of growing up, you think, man, if I could, uh, like a rock star lifestyle, how cool would that be? Just traveling around in tour buses and uh, city to city and seeing the world. And I thought that, um, but until I did it. Uh, because when I went, I was already in my 40s. Right, So I'm pretty giddy about this. I was going out with, there's a band called Disciple, and we're going to be doing a tour throughout the Midwest. And so I'm, I'm super excited about this. And so I tell my wife, I'm like, I got I to gotta, I gotta not look so me. Right? I, gotta, I, gotta, I want people to think that I'm a part of that group. And so what am I going to do? And she's like, there's no hope for you whatsoever. And, and, uh, uh, and so um, I met up with them in the middle of the night. They were passing through. And so I went in and I got on the bus. And I, like, I, I wasn't going to sleep that night. I get to ride on a tour bus with rock stars. And so I get in and the tour manager's like, here's your bunk. You, you know, and uh, and, and um, tomorrow we'll be in Minneapolis. I'm like, this is great. And we wake up uh, that, that next day, and the tour manager's like, all right, you're in Minneapolis, and he says that like 30 times a day, so that nobody gets out front and's like, thank you, Seattle, you know, and you're in Minneapolis. And so uh, he goes, uh, we're in Minneapolis, and everybody up because we're at Applebee's. And I was like, Applebee's? What happened to Perkins? Like, I need my oatmeal and my coffee in the morning. Applebee's, gross. I can't do that for breakfast. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And, and so I'm like already, I'm like, ah, this is a big mistake. So well, we, we eat lunch and then we go to the venue and we start unloading everything and start setting everything up. And again, I'm getting really excited and they do the show and great ministry happened and kids come to Christ and it was incredible ministry that we had. And it was exhausting. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And, and I'm like, all right, let's hit the road, right? I'm ready to go to bed. And, and uh, one of the guys in the band's like, hey, is there a gym around here where we can maybe go and play basketball? And I was like, no, there, there are no gyms in Minnesota, right? And so we go and we have to play basketball for a couple of hours. And so we get back on the bus, it's like four o'clock in the morning and I'm just wiped and we leave and the next day we show up and I don't know where we were, didn't matter anymore, I just wanted to go home. Like it, 
It just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted, right? I say all of that because the scribe was, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm in. This is going to be great. And Jesus says, okay, but I'm going to let you know that this is not about earthly comfort at all. We're going to fully rely on the Lord to do whatever it is that He wants to do in our lives, and we will we'll let go of the comforts of this world in order to fulfill the mission. Uh, a disciple of Jesus really has the focus that this world is not our home. That, that, that when we start following Jesus, that we let go of any glory that we might want to associate with ourselves and the comforts. Not that, it's not that following Jesus is miserable because it's not. It is so much better than this miserable world that we are living in. If we just passionately follow Him, we will not care about the stuff of this world because we have Jesus. Jesus preached in that sermon. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then... All these things will be added to you. And we often think that if I just focus on seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all the stuff of this world will be added. And that's not what it is. It says if you put your focus on God Himself and building up His kingdom, He will give you all of that and you will be satisfied. And that way, nothing else matters. If, if God can give you His one and only Son, if He can give you the kingdom when we don't deserve it at all, don't you think that He can provide you with the stuff that you need every day? The daily bread, the roof over our head. That's what Jesus is saying. He'll take care of it. Paul in Ephesians 4 tells the church, live a life worthy of the calling that's been given to you. But he says, but do it in lowliness, meekness, patience, and love. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. You don't need to try to gain more. You already have enough second man approaches jesus and says i'll follow you teacher uh, i'll follow you and it, matthew tells us he's already a disciple so that means that this guy is already in he he's following jesus and he says, i'll go with you wherever you go which kind of makes us assume that the other guy kind of bowed out and so he says lord i'll follow you but but let me first go and and bury my father. Now, the first uh, man that approached Jesus was a little overeager. He jumped in without counting the cost. Uh, we could say about this second uh, disciple is that he was a little under-eager. Uh, I'll, I'll follow you, but i got to take care of some stuff back home first. Let me go bury my father. Now, here's what we know. I mean, some, some may say that his father has just passed away. Uh, and he's like, I just need to go bury him, and then I'll come back and follow you. However, in uh, ancient times, in Jesus' day, if somebody passed away, he usually buried them almost immediately. Uh, and, and then, plus, we would ask, if his father just passed away, what's he doing, you know, following this crowd around and all that's going on? I mean, I know that it's big news that all this is taking place, but, but your father just passed away. So chances are pretty good that his Father is still alive, maybe elderly, maybe at some point going to pass away. Um, and this is probably the oldest son who's in charge of taking care of all the details and taking care of his mom, and he's going to get a birthright. And so he's telling Jesus, I'll follow you, but I just have some business to take care of to get my life in order before I do that. 
And what he's really asking is, could you guys just hold up for a little while and not go do all of these great things that you're about to do, crossing over to the other side? Because uh, I have some things that I need to do and take care of, and then I would love to come and to follow after you. What Matthew is really saying in all of this is, this guy's not all in. He, he's just he, he's, he's not 100% in following Jesus. When we read the response, Jesus says, follow me, leave the dead to bury their dead. And we think that that would seem kind of, kind of heartless, but it's not at all. Jesus is, he, he calls us to something greater. He calls us to follow him 100%. And Jesus says, if you believe in me and who I am, then, then spiritually you've got it together, then follow me. So why don't you leave those that don't want to follow me, those that are spiritually dead, why don't you leave them to take care of the things of this world? But you, actually, if you were to fast forward, you were to look up this uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus actually adds a little more to this text in his conversation with this young man. And he says, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So you let the spiritually dead take care of the things of this world, but you get it. So you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Do the work that needs to be done. You can't do anything for the soul of a dead man, but you can save the souls of those that are alive. So you focus on that. And then in Luke, the man says, okay, but can I at least just say goodbye to my family? And Jesus' response is, nobody who puts their hand to the plow and moves forward ever looks back to see the work that they've done. Why? Because maybe if they see that they've done crooked work, they're going to go start all over again. They don't. You just, you just keep plowing. You just keep moving forward. Because if you keep getting distracted by looking back, you're just going to get stuck back there and nothing is going to grow. And what Jesus is telling this, this man is, is that if you go back home, I know that I'll probably never see you again. Because your family's going to tell you to do something different. You're going to get distracted by things. You're going to get consumed with all of the business of whatever your family has for you. They might even tell you to not follow me and you're just going to stay there. So why don't you just stay there? But if you're going to follow me, then follow me. Because we're leaving right now. You've got to have a higher priority. Jesus isn't saying to stop loving your family or abandoning your family. What he's saying is that I get to be top priority in your life. No distractions.